the Mind Body Connection podcast. The body and mind. With your host, Dr. Phil Parker. Due to the ongoing issues with the coronavirus situation, we've slightly changed our schedule. We've replaced our normal interviews with some recordings of live seminars on how to boost your health. This is the second in the series. I do hope you enjoy it. Hi and welcome to this second uh, live seminar, free seminar on boosting your health. I'm your host, Dr. Phil Parker. Welcome. If you have questions, it would be fab to hear your questions. Uh, that will help to keep it as interactive as we can. I've got loads of things I'm going to talk to you about. I'm shuffling my papers around here. Uh, but as you give me questions, I shall write them down and we'll be able to uh, hopefully answer them. So welcome wherever you are in the world. I know that people are listening to this uh, in New Zealand, uh, in America. Uh, last time we had Bavaria and I think Korea. So let's see how many um, continents we can get today. I do also hope you're well. I mean, that we know that this is a, a, a tricky time uh, for many people, both in terms of isolation, dealing with being at home all the time. Uh, I'm lucky I've got a house with enough rooms that three people can do their Zoom calls in different rooms and it doesn't make too much of a, a, a sound overlap. But I know a lot of people are struggling with that. Um, so uh, we've got that issue, social isolation, uh, but we've also got uh, issues of stress around social isolation and issues of stress around, you know, worrying about the coronavirus, worrying about panic buying and so on. Many of you know, uh, my kind of focus is particularly on the mind-body connection. As I said in my last uh, introduction, my history is I started off as an osteopath uh, and then I severed my hand and I was told I'd never move my fingers again. And that got me very interested in the power of communication and uh, influence of people's opinions on our health and what we can do to change our physiology. <clears throat> and last time I spent a lot of time uh, chatting around um, concepts within the mind-body connection. Today, I really want to focus on some um, answering some questions, but also some practical, even more practical tools than we did last time on how you can uh, take some of this stuff and make change. So if you have questions, do pop them down in the comments um, and I will I will start talking through a few things that I think might be really valuable. So the core thing really is recognizing that there are things we are passive to. There are things we cannot change about the world. Like uh, how much toilet paper there is in the supermarket or if you're a baker like I am, how much flour there isn't in the supermarket. Uh, the virus, you know, we can't change the fact that exists, that somebody ate a bat apparently in China somewhere along the way, didn't cook it properly, and that now this virus is, is running rampage, and that we don't have natural immunity to it. Those are things we can't have much say over because we're passive to them. So the question is, what can we make a difference to? What can we influence? What, what can we change? So... What can we change? Uh, well, the biggest thing we can change is how our immune system is functioning. Because um, Louis Pasteur, who was the kind of founder or father of modern kind of uh, germ theory of medicine, uh, he, there was this big fight around um, what, what caused 
illness you know so one uh, point of view was uh, it was the natural humors in the body you know your bile and your uh, melancholia and all that stuff and pastor said no no this is about germs and he had a little pot uh, and he put a bit of liver in the pot and sealed it and then he put a bit of liver in another pot with a tube to the outside world and the one the liver in the, in, that was cooked in a pot that was sealed with no air in it didn't get uh, any uh, any kind of degradation uh, but the one open to the air became infected and uh, this is very much the, the germ theory of disease but one of the things that pastor is reported to have said and you may have heard pasteurization that's from pastor reported to say on his in his death, deathbed was he got it slightly wrong he said uh, the, the the soil is as important as the seed and what people interpret by that is him saying the seed's important the bug is important but where the bad bug lands and what state you're in what state your immune system in is equally important so then we know there's a couple of things that really knacker our immune system number one that's really easy to do something about is stress stress and anxiety reduce the function of our immune system uh, particularly long-term stress I talked about this, and if you want to review the uh, the previous seminar, the difference between threat and challenge, uh, how our body responds differently to roller coaster rides than long term stress. And uh, there's a change in physiology, but basically, long term stress, uh, so getting worn down, is a real bad predictor of your immune function, and that's one of the things we're going to look at today because that's quite an easy thing to change. Uh, there's other stuff we can do. We're going to do some visualization that will also change your immune system function. Because in this interesting battle between bug and immune system, the thing that you can do is, yeah, sure, you can isolate, you know, clean everything, try and not get the bug. Uh, but the other thing we can do is like, what can we do if we do happen to come across this bug? How can we minimize its effect? What can we do to influence our health in the best possible way that we can? So, as I said, stress is, is a kind of common thing to look at. And, and I think particularly at the moment, because, of course, you know, people are under huge amounts of stress. As if, if you watch the news, you see the, you know, the, the horror going on. Um, you go to the supermarket, you have to stand in a queue, you can't see your friends, you're isolated. All those things really don't help the situation. And again, most of those things that we're passive to, we can't change. That's just the way it is. So the thing we've got to look at is how do we manage our stress? So I'm going to talk a little bit about some ways to manage stress, to reduce it, to make yourself feel calm. Number one thing, and I've kind of broken the rule already, is what's your language? Uh, because interestingly, words are really linked to uh, triggering neurological pathways. And that's pretty obvious. If I say to you, don't think about this, pen then what's the first thing you think about you think about the pen if i say to you don't think about being stressed the first thing you'll think about is stress and the classic example of this of course is if you put your credit card in in a card machine you know when we used to go to shops you put your credit card in a, in a credit card machine and it says do not remove your card and lots of people remove their card because they just hear the instruction remove <clears throat> There's also some fascinating studies um, by Thomas Weiss and his guys in Germany where they put people in an MRI scanner, uh, a functional MRI scanner, which shows up the activity of the brain. And if they give them a, a set of cards with words on, some are related to pain, some are related to shopping items. Um, when they see a pain word, you see an extra activity in the areas that process pain in the brain. So 
we know that words trigger neurology. And therefore, words like stress, panic, I'm not going to say this anymore, will trigger it as well. You may want to have a little experiment and notice how many times those words, so stress, anxiety, panic, fear, show up in your thoughts, in other people's conversations, and especially in the media. Because each time you hear that, it will just give you a little bit more of a, of a boost of adrenaline, a bit more stress, a bit more wiring. And as I'm sure you know by having ever watched me before, neuroplasticity, the more you trigger a nerve pathway, the stronger it becomes and the more dependable it becomes. So triggering pathways that run you into not good states like stress and, and so forth uh, will will make it easier to get stressed. And a good example of this is if you've had a day where you've just been uh, furious and annoyed and at the end of your tether, and then somebody says something at the end of the day, you snap and explode in a bigger way than you would at the beginning of the day because your brain has got that wiring already ready to go. Okay. So how do we reduce stress? Well, number one, stop using the word Phil and everybody else and start to talk about what you do want, which of course is you want calm. You want to have more calm in your life, more peace, more relaxation. Another really important thing around the whole stress thing is don't just say the word calm. We have to say it in a way that is calming. So if you say, I want to be calm, that's going to have an effect, but not as much of an effect as if you say, I want to be calm or even better, deeply calm. Just notice what your nervous system does as I talk in a fast way. So what we're going to do is we're not going to think about stress and how dreadful everything is in the world. Just notice how that feels. And then as I just slow down the pitch and sound of my voice and just say, we're going to talk about what it's like to be deeply relaxed. You'll notice that your body and your mind just starts to settle, starts to become more calm. So check inside, what are you talking to yourself? What words are you using? What speed are you talking to yourself at? How are other people around you? Because we also have these really interesting neurons called mirror neurons, which are designed to make us social animals. So we, this is why teenagers often sound the same. It's difficult to distinguish one from the other. Mirror neurons uh, allow us to connect with people, but it also means that we can be very easily contagious by other people's state. So somebody's frenetic and busy and stressed, we are more likely to pick that up just for our mirror neurons. We'll just start to copy that. So you need to watch that to make sure we are stepping out of that invitation to join them in that not very useful state. And also think about, well, if states are contagious, how would I like to contage? What would I like to bring to the other people in my life. Would I like to bring calm, resilience, optimism, happiness? How much time do we spend moaning, complaining? All those things tend to get us in the wrong state, but also get other people in the wrong state too. So I'm going to begin with a calming uh, visualization, meditation journey, if you wish. It's uh, one that I've done many times before. A lot of people have heard it before, um, but it's always nice to listen to. It's called the Tropical Pool. It takes about five or 10 minutes. Now, if you're listening to this and driving a car, then stop listening to this because you shouldn't be doing that. If you're operating dangerous machinery, then don't do this because this is going to make you feel nice and relaxed. 
Uh, I'm going to play some music, which hopefully technology will be with us. Uh, it will play in the background. Um, it's some music I wrote, as you know, many of you know, I wrote, write lots of music. Uh, I've been a musician for a long time, as you can see the guitar in the background. And I write a lot of the music for the stuff that, that we have on our shop, um, relaxation stuff. This particular piece of music, let's see if I can make it happen. Hopefully you can hear that. Yeah, there we go. Um, I might turn it up a little bit so you can hear it a bit louder. If someone can just drop a message, just tell me, can you hear that? There's a slight um, time delay, so it'll probably take 10 seconds to come through. But this particular piece of music is timed to a heartbeat. And the heartbeat is slightly slower than your average heartbeat. So it's a resting, calm heartbeat. And that's specifically designed because of course our mirror neurons are still you know, waiting to see what's going on. So if we have something that's slow, something that's calming, then that will encourage our body and our mind to be calm too. <clears throat> so, so let me look, see if people can hear this. If you can hear it, please just leave a comment saying, yeah, I can hear it, that would be really useful. If you can't, it'd just be me and the dog listening to it, which would be nice too. Um, okay. So what I'd like you to do, making sure you are taking care of yourself, <clears throat> making sure it's a safe, comfortable space to listen to. You may want to close your eyes if that works for you too. And allow yourself to listen in a quiet, calm way, allowing your unconscious mind, which is the part of you that takes care of you, it's the part when you're sleeping, allows you to remember to breathe, to roll over when you need to. It's the part of you that, you know, when you're sleeping quite often, it will wake you up just before the alarm clock does. It seems to know all that kind of stuff. So what I'd like you to do as you quietly, comfortably listen to the sound of my voice. To begin breathing, notice your breath. Notice how it feels to just be comfortably and easily relaxing in your own way, in your own time. Knowing that you can learn many things in the process of relaxation. And I'd like you to imagine that you're visiting a beautiful tropical pool. But before we get to the pool, I'd like you to imagine you're on an island. You walk along the shore and on one side you see sea, colour as it stretches to the horizon, blends with the sky. That is the colour of the sky too. And then as you turn your gaze in the other direction, you see the land rising up from the shore. And up ahead, in the distance, you can see some trees and the beginning of a path that winds through those trees. As you get closer, feeling 
your feet on the surface. Maybe looking behind, you can see your heel prints, toes, comfortably moving forwards, strong, clear direction. And you begin to wander through this path, through the trees, noticing the colors and the way the light falls. Feels comfortable and pleasant here. And further ahead, you can just make out through the trees, the sound and occasional glimpses of water falling gently. Finally, when you reach a clearing, trees seem to open up and there is a beautiful, gentle waterfall tumbling into the most exquisite, beautifully colored tropical pool, which as you go closer to it, you can just dip your toes in, dip your finger in. And you find it's exactly the temperature you wished it to be. The colour is exactly how you wanted it to be. The depth is just perfect for you. And so, for too long you decide, in that pause, that it's time for you to get in the pool. So, as you get in, feeling your body just supported by the water, comfortably and easily, enjoying the feelings, that beautiful water just washing over you, carrying away everything that you don't need. And it feels as though this water has an almost magical property that not only does it flow over you, it also just seems to flow through you, carrying away anything you don't need. Almost as though it's washing away sand, the grit and the grime. And feeling what that feels like to just be at peace, comfortable, easy. Relaxing. And if there's any part of you that you specifically and particularly feel should be paid attention to in some special way, then just direct that water through that area, healing, cleansing it. You might want to imagine unzipping your skin and just taking it out and gently carefully washing it through until it's clean and new before popping it back in its right place. And then when you're ready and it feels like the right time for you, you can just slowly and easily return through the trees comfortably back to the shoreline looking at the sea as it stretches to the horizon 
in the shores it rises. Learning what you need to learn before bringing yourself back to this room in this conversation. Excellent. Now, you can listen to this many times. You just watch it on catch-up. Each time you do, you should become more familiar with just relaxing and how to learn. Now, some people find relaxation really easy and other people, it's a skill that they've yet to really master. First thing to do is to be aware that that's the case for you. And then to begin to think, okay, well, if I practice like anything else, practice makes permanence. Your nervous system rewires through neuroplasticity depending on how you use it. So the more you use it to develop calmness, to develop a familiarity with what it feels like to relax, the easier that will be. In fact, if you find yourself being someone who's not very relaxed, that's just a result of training. Training you hadn't taken up on purpose, but, you know, the more we access a particular state, the easier it becomes to access. And that's true of any state, whether it's anger, frustration, calm, relaxation, doesn't really matter. The brain doesn't distinguish between good and bad states. It just says, whichever one you use the most, I'll make more accessible for you. And so one of your jobs is to think, how can I spend as much time as I can triggering good neurology, good states that will encourage good immune system function? <clears throat> now, the next thing I'd uh, like to talk about is something from osteopathy, which I think you might find interesting. Um, I'm not getting any comments on this uh, feed, so I'm not sure the system's working properly. Um, so if you have any questions, I may have to ask them, answer them on a different, uh, different time. Uh, but I'd like to talk you through some stuff around osteopathy. So I don't know if you know much about osteopathy, but it's a very interesting approach to health. It's not like physio. It's not just like bones and joints. It's considered to be a system of medicine. So the original osteopath was an interesting guy. He was a, a, a minister of God, a mechanic and a doctor. And uh, he kind of combined all these ideas together. And he believed that uh, if because he was a minister of God, that God would have created everybody in his own image and uh, God must be a great mechanic and uh, any great mechanic would make sure there's some way of fine-tuning machine in case it's gone a bit wonky and if you can get it back to its original blueprint or design it will function pretty well. <clears throat> uh, he used his understanding of, of medicine. Uh, he was around about 1860, 1880 um, where you know had a good, good understanding of anatomy and physiology uh, he he thought at the time that a lot of medicine killed people. It probably did. There a lot of mercury, a lot of weird stuff in in medicines in those days. Um, and he was particularly interesting in, in examining people's physical wellness. Uh, he also looked at their psychological wellness and their diet as well. But he was particularly interested in what shape their body was in. Um, and there's. Lots of fascinating stories about things that things that he did. So uh, one of the stories is that he um, 
this guy came from the, you know out of town from the the remote backlands it's a young boy on a donkey and he recognized him as belonging to his family and he knew that the the mother was expecting a baby so he packed his baby delivery bag and followed the, the boy uh, back to the house and when he got to the house uh, there was the the mother but she wasn't um ready to give birth she'd something had horrible had happened to her she either had uh, pneumonia or some really serious you know lung problem but unfortunately he'd only packed his baby delivery bag so uh he was like well nothing in this bag is going to help this woman because you know i haven't got the right medicines or anything so he thought well what can i do and so he started to look at her and he noticed that uh, in her back, her, her, her ribs weren't working quite the way they should be. So he did some work to, to see if that would help at all, make her feel more comfortable at the very least, you know. Um, and uh, did everything he could to, to try and get <clears throat> all the muscles that were tight relaxed. And he thought, well, <clears throat> obviously it won't make any difference to her pneumonia, but it might, might make her in less pain. The next morning he woke up <clears throat> and uh, the woman was nowhere to be seen and he thought, oh dear, she must have passed in the night. You know, what a, what a tragedy. And so he said to the, the husband, uh, you know, how's things, how's, you know, what happened? And uh, the husband said, oh, the wife's out milking the cows. And he went to find her and she had had this miraculous uh, recovery uh, and he was very intrigued by this. Now, you might wonder how massaging someone's shoulders back could make any difference at all to their lungs, but actually there's some quite sound reasons for this making a difference. <clears throat> so, we have our nervous system, mostly our brain in our head, a chunk of nervous system around our chest and another bit in our gut. And all these areas are joined together as pretty much every cell in the body has a little fine nerve that goes to it. So the nervous system can find out what's going on and also tell it what to do. We talked about this last time that with the nervous system, it's processing information and also giving instructions out. Now, the uh, we've got two bits of the nervous system. There's lots of ways of dividing it, but one bit is what's called voluntary, which is where I choose to move my finger in this direction and the other bit is involuntary things that we're not usually in control of so um, blood pressure which is controlled by the uh, arteries and, um, and capillaries constricting and dilating if they constrict it tends to raise your blood pressure if they dilate it tends to lower your blood pressure our gut squeezes of food around like squeezing out a sock uh, these are all unconscious uh, autonomic functions that we don't really have much say over and they are managed by a slightly different part of our nervous system so there's the voluntary part of our nervous system which are in charge of the involuntary or autonomic part of our nervous system which is in charge of stuff we don't really we don't not really involved with on a conscious level and in the in, there's one particular part called the sympathetic nervous system which you may have heard of which comes out of our spine so the nervous system starts in our head if, if you will it goes down our spine and then in between the joints it pops out so in between the joints a little like a wire comes out and that spreads like the branches of the tree to go and take care of every part of your body around there 
But around here, from the kind of bumpy bit at the top of your neck, sorry, bottom of your neck, top of your back, to uh, a probably about a hand's width above your waistline, so that section of your back called your thoracic or dorsal spine, that's where most of the sympathetic nerves come out of the spine. Okay? And um, each area is related to a different part. So this top area, so we count them from this one, it's called T1. So from about T1, five vertebrae down, the top five roughly, are in charge of your lungs. They control your lungs. So uh, your, your lungs have muscles as well, and they get bigger or smaller. So with asthmatics, asthmatics often go into constriction. Um, so if you work on that part of the body, it will have an effect on your lungs because that part of your nervous system controls your lungs. So if that bit's not working very well, the signals from the brain to go to the lungs can get interrupted. So there's a couple of things I'm going to teach you that you might find useful. Um, this one's stopped working. I don't know why that is. Okay. Um, <clears throat> first thing I'd like you to do is to, what's the easiest way to do this? I think just to take your hands and pop them behind your uh, shoulders in, so that your spine, the bony bit in the middle, which is your actual spine, uh, they're just either side of that. Okay, show you like that. Now, if you have someone else to do this, it's even better. But of course, in this time of social isolation, it might be tricky. Um, and just massage, rub gently. Don't, don't give yourself a, a, a bruise. Just gently massage and rub that top area of your spine for about, probably about, how big is that? Uh, I'm going to say three or four inches, which in um, centimeters is, I'm guessing 30, I don't know. <laughs> I'm somewhere between metric and imperial. Um, so yeah, probably what's the best way of describing it? Three or four fingers down, I guess. And just rub either side of the spine. Now this area this is an area related to the, uh, uh, the lungs and the nervous system that controls the lungs. And if it's tight, it will interfere with it. If it's loose and comfortable, it will feel better. There's also some things called Chapman's neurolymphatic reflexes, which are up there as well, and they relate to the lungs as well. The other thing you can also do around the front, so the front, if you feel your collarbones, just here, you know, the kind of big bumpy bony bit. Let's see if I can get a better, need a bit more shadow to see it. Basically, it goes from the top of your breastbone to your shoulder on both sides. <clears throat> That's called your collarbone or clavicle. If you just go beneath there, you'll feel some slightly bony bits. That's a rib and then another rib. And in between those two ribs, so if the ribs are like that, and this is your breastbone, in this little bit here, okay, if we rub there very gently, again, this area is related to the lungs. The first three gaps between the ribs are related to the lungs. So if you give them a gentle little rub, they should be okay. If they're sore, it's, it's indication that your lungs need a bit of help. So give them a gentle rub. Don't overdo it, probably for maybe 10 seconds each bit, both sides of the breastbone. Um, <clears throat> and, and I've worked a lot, although I'm, you can hear I've still got a slight, um, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, infection in my, in my uh, chest at the moment. 
but I've worked with loads of people who've got chronic chest infections. You can't get rid of them. And I found that when you work with this area, front and the back, really does help. There's another area that's useful to look at. Again, it's difficult to see with this black T-shirt on, which is, we talked about the collarbone, how the collarbone goes all the way from here in the center of your chest out to your shoulder. About halfway along, just underneath the collarbones, a little dip, give that a rub, particularly on the left. This is a very important point for your immune system. On the right as well, but particularly on the left. So I don't know if you know this, but the blood is a high pressure system, pumps its way around the body. <clears throat> and when it gets to the capillaries, a lot of the blood, just uh, the fluid in the blood goes out of the capillaries, out of the tube and into the, the tissues. And this becomes what's called lymphatic fluid, which is the kind of fluid of the immune system. And it gets pumped around, particularly interestingly by exercise. So if you don't move a lot, which is why it's good to move around a lot, your immune system becomes a bit suppressed. Um, and it's carried by two major tubes, uh, one of which dumps the fluid back into the blood system just here, and the other one does it just here. Yeah, this one actually is mostly the rest, most of the body. This one is mainly the right hand, uh, uh, right hand arm and the, the right side of the head. If this muscle, there's a little muscle here called pectoralis minor, if that's very tight, it can actually squish this tube. So imagine the tube is like a sausage or a, a half inflated lilac, maybe is a better way to think about it. If the muscle's very tight across it, it could occlude that, squish it, which means that the fluid finds it more difficult to get back in. So rubbing around this area on both sides can be really useful for your immune system. Again, don't overdo it. If you wake up the next day with a bruise there, you've been doing it too hard. It won't cause you any trouble, but just be kind to yourself. Be gentle to yourself, <clears throat> which reminds me the importance of kindness and compassion. Kindness, compassion. Um, uh, my good friend, Dr. David Hamilton, talks a lot about this as well. Kindness and compassion have been shown to have really good health benefits. Uh, being kind to others but also being kind to yourself. And a lot of people aren't kind enough to themselves. One of the things we often say is, and some of you will know this, if you treated your friends like you treat yourself, would you have any? The kind of things we say to ourselves, if we say them to other people, what would happen? Well, they'd probably run away and not want to talk to us because often the conversations we have can be quite unpleasant and we need to change those conversations. There's some interesting ways to change conversations um, some of you may know about. One of the simplest ways is to listen to, if you have an internal conversation that's not healthy, not positive, just notice where you hear it. Sounds like a strange thing, but notice, where do you hear it? So your right, your left, inside, behind. Just listen to it. And when you hear it, what I'd like you to do is change its location. So let's say you hear it from this side, just move it to the other side. Notice what it sounds like when it's coming from a different position. Or... If you hear it this side, take it much further away. So it's over here or maybe over in Hong Kong. When it's over there, what does it feel like? Or you can have it come out of your knee or your toe or your bottom, if you wish. All these things, location, will change the quality of that voice and how it feels. We're not actually changing the content, but the content will vary. What it says will often change as a result of moving it around. So play around with that and notice what a difference that makes. So the next thing I'd like to do is talk a little bit about other ways you can uh, enhance and improve your immune system. 
Um, one of the things I'd like you to do is, in, in a minute, we're going to think about how you view your immune system. In your mind, what's the unconscious metaphor you have for when you think about it? So you may go, oh, it's like a, um, a rusty train, or it's like a, a, a slow old dog with arthritis, or it's like a you know, top athlete. I don't know. Uh, we're going to ask you that in a minute, but the reason I want you to think about that is there's some really interesting research in how our immune system is affected by all sorts of things. So meditation is a good example. Long-term meditators have been shown, uh, Richard Davison did some really interesting studies. Long-term meditation changes your immune system function. Compassion changes your immune system function. And some really interesting studies. Again, you may want to check out my Mind Body Connection podcasts to, to listen to some of these researchers. That's free on iTunes. Go and check it out. Phil Parker, Mind Body Connection podcast. Um, but really interesting studies into placebo. So, for instance, if you give someone um, a irritant and you, you paint it onto their hand with, with their permission, obviously, it goes red. And then you say to them, look, we're going to put some special medicine on it that is going to knock that back and make it all calm again. Okay. But in fact, you're lying. The medicine contains nothing. When you put the medicine on it, pretend medicine, the skin will go pale again instead of being red. The temperature will reduce and the activity of the basophils, which are part of the immune system, will settle down. So listening to the instructions. There's nothing in the actual medicine. It's purely because you said this will make it better. In this particular study, they also said to them, uh, another set of uh, participants, they said, this, when we put, the, so they put the irritant on, they said, we're going to put you this, put this stuff on you, this medicine, it will make it worse. Guess what happened? It made it worse. So our immune systems are really sensitive to the things that we are told. So in this case, what researchers or doctors tell us, but equally the things we say to ourselves so if we have a kind of conversation going on that's not even using words but we in our mind when we think about our immune system we think oh, it's a bit clunky or it's a bit dodgy or it's a bit broken it's almost like we're constantly drip feeding this conversation saying my immune system is not very well functioning and that probably is not very good for you if a if an external person saying to you this medicine will make things worse if you're saying to yourself my immune system's a bit dodgy, a bit ropey, then that will have an effect too. So, first thing to do, just take a few minutes, think about your immune system. So, you know, if you're not familiar with that term, just go, the bit that keeps me well, that fights off bugs, the bit that's in charge of taking care of my health. What does that look like? If I was to draw a picture of it, what would it be? If you can put comments down, although my comments are not really showing up at the moment for some reason, let me just try and refresh that. If you can put comments down there, that would be brilliant. Let's see what people are saying. Oh, there we go. It's coming up now. Fabulous. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, if you would like to add your uh, descriptions when you think about your immune system, the bit of you that keeps you well, what does that look like? Let's find out. this what do I have to do to get more comments 
wonder if that goes out each time. Okay, great. There we go. Uh, my immune system is like graphene. It's flexible and strong. Wow. <laughs> um, fizzy sparkles. I like that. Anyone got anything not quite as magical? So I have to constantly refresh this to see. Um, blue. A strong fountain. Strong white root system through my body. Very good. So, whatever it is, just ask yourself, okay, would I like this to be better? Would I like this to be stronger? Would I like this to be more robust? Would I like the colour to be different? And then, again, just close your eyes. I'm going to make the magic happen with the music, I hope. Go on, music, you can do it. I'll have to click on it. Hold on, Hold on just a second. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to work this time. Oh, there we go. So what I'd like you to do is to do another technique. This is called the peripheral vision technique. It's a really brilliant, easy, simple technique to do. Kids love it. Uh, so feel free to teach it to them. But again, not if your children are driving dangerous machinery, which they shouldn't be doing anyway. Um, so all you need to do for this particular exercise is to think about anything that's bugging you or bothering you. Or if it's your immune system, just hold in your mind whatever you're thinking about your immune system currently. Notice what it feels like. And then what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn this way. I think that will help best again. So this is our normal eye level. What I'd like you to do is just point your eyes up about 45 degrees, okay? If you've got a spot to stare at, that would be great. And breathe. So you're looking up slightly and you're breathing. It's always good to breathe. <laughs> then what I'd like you to do is take your fingers, wiggle your fingers. Hopefully nobody's watching you at this point and move your fingers slightly backwards until you can't see them anymore or you can just about see them now what i don't want you to do is turn your head or to turn your eyes you want to keep looking straight ahead because what we're doing is we're using what's called your peripheral vision so we mostly look here but we are aware so as i sit here i can see my face gorgeous and handsome as i am but i'm also aware of the light shining at me uh, the window over there I'm not aware of the microphone I just hit um, there's bits of information that I'm aware of peripherally but I'm not entirely focused on and that's the bit we want to use because when you focus on your peripheral vision you know the outside bit of your vision it changes the way your brain functions calms things down so we're going to look up about 45 degrees wiggle your fingers until you can barely see them. Just keep your attention in the area. You can let your hands drop if you want, but keep your attention in this area without directly looking at it. Just keep your attention there. Breathe in three or four times. Still thinking about that thing, but you'll find the way you're thinking about it becomes different just from being in this particular position and having your attention focused in your periphery. And now, having breathed in three or four times, just bring yourself back to the room. Just notice, how has that changed what your immune system looks or feels like? To find you, go 
those answers. I need to just refresh this. <laughs> so we've got lots of great uh, examples of what the uh, immune system looks like, like a boxer, like a shield, like lots of little white orbs that are glittery and shiny. There are hundreds of them they multiply, like two Ys joined together. Mary says, uh, this is from David Hamilton, I believe. Uh, there are some s studies about, I think it's about IgA, about building your immune system. It's the fat controller just gently ensuring things go smoothly. <laughs> Loads of little soldiers. Excellent. It's more settled and calm and strong as a result of doing that. Zingy. Very good. Now, just by doing this, taking your attention to the periphery, it allows your brain to process that information in a slightly different way, slightly disassociates you from it. And that different way of thinking seems to allow us to access different resources. It's very good in, if you're interested for kids, particularly kids with hyperactive issues. Uh, it helps them to stay focused. But it's also very good for processing on a different level. So... I'm going to do one more exercise in a minute, but if there are any questions, now would be a fabulous time to ask. I have to refresh this because it's not self-refreshing. Let's have a look. Okay, no questions at the moment. So if you do have any questions, drop them down there. I will um, continue with an exercise I'd like to take you through. So what I'd like you to do is just take a few moments to flow back in time to a time when you felt happy or healthy or relaxed or energized or vital or vibrant. Just a time that for you really encapsulates a time of health. What's interesting about health is very often we don't think about our health until we don't have it. You know, we kind of forget about wellness until we're ill. Just getting a few questions through here. But I'd like you to think now about a time about when you must have been healthy because of what you were doing. Maybe it's a time when you're dancing on the tables, drinking shots of vodka. Maybe it's a time when you're cl climbing mountains. Or maybe it's just a time where you're out having a walk with your friends, or down the pub, or whatever it is that you do, where you just kind of go, oh yeah, I was really healthy then because I was just being me, just getting on with life. Allow yourself to start to fill in some of the details of this. And the easiest ways to do this is to think about what did you see what do you see? Because you really want to be back in that place now. What do you see? What are you aware of? What can you hear? What do you feel? What does your body feel like? What's your voice sound like? What's the lighting like? How does this feel to be here now? Breathe that feeling in. Really connect with that feeling. It doesn't really matter how deeply you connect with it. The, I mean, the, the deeper, the better. But just thinking about that time will be enough to start to stimulate those neurotransmitters 
and those changed hormones in your body. That's all you need to do. One of the questions I often ask people is, considering we have so many memories, you know, we do, we all have millions of memories. Some of them are really positive, some of them not so. Which ones do we swim around in most of the time? Well, unfortunately not the good ones. Or we don't spend enough time accessing those good memories. Instead, we're just thinking about, did I let the cat out or I've got to go shopping or, you know, stuff. When actually maybe we need to focus on some good moments. So if you have a good moment that you can easily access, just pop it down in the notes. It'd be really good to see what people are saying. It's one time I remember I'd tell you about, which is I was... Uh, in the Mojave Desert in California, the California-Nevada border. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the desert. It's a fascinating place to go to. Quite an unusual place. Hot, obviously. Blue skies. And empty. Just nothing there. And I remember I was driving in this uh, convertible car that I mentioned, I think, in the last, uh, the last uh, seminar. And I was amazed by the vastness of this place. So... I just stopped, I turned off the engine and I got out of the car and closed the door. And what I noticed was the complete absence of sound from miles and miles in every direction, apart from the ticking of the engine as it cooled down and desert heat. Just no sound. And I was intrigued to notice that this complete vacuum, this absence, wasn't in any way weird. It just felt very, 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 very peaceful. Well, I don't know for you where you go that will instantly take you back to that feeling of happiness, relaxation, vibrance, whatever it is. But if you do have a time, do pop it down so we can share it with other people. Because actually, by talking about times when you felt this way, your mirror neurons will actually start to trigger the state in other people, even if they have never been horse riding and dressaging Lucy. It doesn't really matter. They'll hear something, even if I'm speaking about it. They'll see something, hear something about what would that be like. And maybe it'll take them on a little journey either to imagine what that would be like or something for them that is very close to them. But think about how much of the time do you spend connecting with great memories, great anticipations of the future compared to not so good ones. Maybe that could be a real gift for you to be in the present in a different way as a result. So we're going to close the seminar in a minute. I'm just going to check in if I can one more time and see if there's anything else I need to answer. Oh, okay. We've got some things here. We've got Claire saying scuba diving in the Maldives. Sounds great. Uh, walking on the beach in Montauk with lots of monarch butterflies fabulous oh there's a question from vicky friends are reporting being afraid of the outside world 
I've reframed it with them, but is there more I can do? Well, um, the first thing really is to, of course, ask them if they do want to feel differently about it at the moment. Um, there is some benefit in people having a bit of concern and caution about the outside world because it may keep them inside, which is what needs to happen at the moment. But maybe their focus needs to be more on when this is over, life's going to return back to normal. Things are not going to be that different. There may be some interesting changes. I mean, all the online stuff. Who's noticed they probably connected more with their friends in the last few weeks than they normally would on an evening. Uh, so there, there will be some changes, but fundamentally life will will Im will improve and return. Um, there'll be other changes, like you know the environment will probably be in a much better state as a result of people not flying anywhere, uh, not driving anywhere. I live near the M25. It's empty at the moment. It's quite amazing. So taking yourself into the future and connecting with you know this is going to be okay. It's going to be all right. There may be a few bumps in the road. But, but you know even if we look at the virus um yeah it sadly will affect some people severely but mostly not you know mostly it will be a bad cold a bad fever or a mild one you know prince charles bless him he he was um isolated for 7 days he's okay boris johnson's still on tv you know many many people will just weather this quite easily it is concerning about the people that it will affect more severely but that is going to be a, a much smaller percentage than uh, the people who just don't even know they've had it. So, final thoughts. Let's have a quick look. See if there's any further questions before we close. Excellent. Some good, uh, <laughs> some good things that people remember. Scottish dancing from Eleanor. Stargazing when everyone else is in bed. Uh, watching the dippers diving in the river by our house. Wow. Uh, on a beautiful white, fluffy white slope uh, on a mountainside with sun and wind, skiing at my own pace and looking at the big sky, stars and Colorado mountains, the hugeness of it all. Excellent. Very good. So I really recommend you spend some time reconnecting with those, spending as much time as you need. You know, we've all got a bit of time on our hands at the moment. It will be more useful to dive into these great experiences will boost our health, make us feel grateful for what we have and bring us anew to every moment. So we'll be running another one of these. It may well be next Tuesday. I need to look at my diary, my crazy busy diary where I'm out all the time, obviously not. Um, and uh, be great to have you on the call and there I'll send you messages about it. If you have any further comments, please drop them at the bottom. It'd be lovely to hear what you make of this or if you want me to talk about anything specific next time. Until then, um, great to see you and I'll see you on the next one. Bye now. The Mind Body Connection Podcast. The Body and Mind. <laughs>